So the borders are going to start opening up very soon. I'm excited. Are you going anywhere? Yeah, I'm going overseas. I'm getting off the island. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> I'm going to America and then I'm going to go to New Zealand as soon as they let us in. Okay. How's your passport looking? You know what? I realised when we were prepping for this that yep. I don't know when my passport expires, but it's pretty blank at the moment. Well, I mean, my passport is in a drawer at home and it. I remember looking at it a year ago going, oh, it's about to expire. I should mm. really renew that. Mm. Well, I missed that. But I thought today we should talk about border control. We should talk yes. about passports because there's some really interesting stuff with intelligence. Yes. But also there's an interesting little bit of history to do with the Australian passport that I think you'll like. I know you've done a deep, deep dive. I'm a sad little man. You are. You're listening to I Spy, the ugly passport photo of Australian intelligence. Oh, Jesus, there is no God. Oh, my God, you do look like that. Oh, Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we're going to talk all things passports today. We're going to touch on things like I wanted to bring up Australia's passport ranking, which I found very interesting. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. I look forward to that. ASIO's role in passports, mm-hmm. terrorism and spies. And you probably have a few things you want to digest as well. Yeah. Well, also, I, I, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about because passports are a relatively new thing. Yes. Right. So really, we didn't have an Australian passport, a true Australian, just for Australians passport until mm-hmm. I think it was about 1968. Right. Right. And before then, it was you were a British Australian. Yes. Right. And if you were British, <laughs> you could get an Australian passport yes. because you were born in the Commonwealth. Now, the history of the, the passport is a lot of fun. I mean, it, it was basically passports were used to control populations. Right. You were able to stop people from leaving the country. I mean, it's called ne exiat regnu for the Latin speakers out there. And I know there's plenty of them. <laughs> They're all listening to us right yeah, now. Yeah, they're all the Latin ones going, oh, yeah. quid quid. Um, <laughs> so essentially it means let him not go out of the kingdom. Okay. So it's basically a way of uh, sovereignty of maintaining a military by keeping the people in. Yep. Right. And that became a really important thing for Australia. Australia really started looking at passports during World War One. right? We, we suddenly realised, hang on, we're about to go to war and we're going we're gonna to have conscription. How are we going to keep the guys in? Yeah, because interestingly enough, my father, when the way he arrived in Australia was he was on a merchant sailor ship. Oh, yeah. And he literally just got off and then never got back on. He's a boat person. <laughs> he arrived he's, by- he's an original boat person. What an original boat people. <laughs> right. So, this is the thing. Um, they wanted to stop people from leaving because they were about to have conscription. Mm. And there's a very famous case of the boxer, the blacksmith boxer, Les Darcy, who didn't want to fight. So he escaped the country the night before the referendum on conscription yep. and went to the United States. And they used that as a way of saying, you know, we need to bring passports in because, look, you get shirkers like the blacksmith boxer leaving the country and not serving us. The other reason they wanted to look at passports was that by the end of the war, you had a lot of returning soldiers. Yeah. You had a lot of migrants trying to get here. Yeah, I was going to say refugees would be a big one. Yeah. You had the Spanish flu. Oh, yeah. And there was this little thing called the Russian Revolution going on. And they suddenly went, oh, my God, communism. The communists could come here. Yeah, we need to stop the threat. We need to stop the threat. So we need to give all of our Australian people passports or, sorry, Australians and other members of the British Dominion. Right. Right. So we then had that come in and that started a huge fight in Australia because 
Australia started as a penal colony. Mm. I always say Connolly and it's wrong. <laughs> Australia started as a penal settlement full of It's It's funny that you, you would always trip over con- colony but colony. not penal. Yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a guy. What do you expect? Yeah, yeah. So many ways you can go wrong with it, but yeah. we'll choose the latter. Let's, let's go with the, the longer word, not the word that is quite related to me physically. <laughs> anyway. There was a huge problem because to travel around the colonies back in the day when we were a colony, yep. you needed a ticket of leave. And, of course, Australians in the 20s went, you can't do that. You're, you're, you're turning us back into criminals. Which makes complete sense. We, yeah, well, I mean, we are criminals really, let's be honest. But so that became a huge problem with Australia trying to get the, the passport in. Then, mm. of course, we had the Second World War. And then once we got into the 50s, we had communism. And that you know the, the whole- thing, Everett, was it Dr. No, it was Chifley. Prime Minister Chifley said, yep. we're not going to stop people from leaving the country if they're communists. Yep. And then Menzies went, well, actually, no, we're going to stop people. We're not going to give communists passports. We don't want them traveling overseas. Now, this dates back to Tudor England. Now, Tudor England, there were all of these priests in Tudor England, Catholic priests, who would go to Spain to study. Mm-hmm. And then they come back as you know, trained revolutionaries. And really rich. Yeah, and really rich. <laughs> but, yeah, really rich. And funnily enough, they've got so many children, but yeah. they're priests. Um, all of these nieces and nephews, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> but Tudor England, Queen Elizabeth basically turned around and went, we're not going to let Catholic priests leave the country because then they're going to come back wealthier, armed, and educated, yeah. and we don't want that because- And they can spread whatever mischief they want to. Exactly, right? So that was the, the thinking behind the Menzies government. And there was a very famous case, Wilfred Burchett, who mm. was a Communist Party member, but he was a journalist, and he wanted to know what was going on in Korea yep. during the Korean War and also Vietnam during the Vietnam War, but he wanted to see it from the opposite side. So he went over to Korea. He was, I think he was based out of Japan, but he was going into Korea behind the enemy lines there and also behind the enemy lines in Vietnam. And the Menzies government basically said, we're cancelling your passport. You'll never get into Australia again. And if you try to get in, we're going to arrest you for treason. And it became a 20-year-long court case to free this guy. Wow. So that kind of set up what happened, you know, in, within the last five years. Yeah. Where we, we can start cancelling passports. We can start cancelling passports. Yeah. But, I mean, the interesting thing about the whole Birchett going behind enemy lines is that was also one of the most important reasons you had a passport. Yep. It allowed you to travel. And Casanova is a great case. He wanted to go to Holland when Italy was having a war with the Netherlands. He wanted to travel to Holland. He obviously wanted to go there and shag someone. Yeah. That's his style. That, so he was given a letter of safe conduct or a letter of introduction. Right. And in the letter, it says, Admirals, generals, governors, commanders allow the bearer to pass freely. Um, <laughs> Casanova really liked it because, as he said, it makes people respect you. Um, right. Because it is. Not many people got these tickets. Yeah. For you to leave, the, uh, to leave back in the day, back in the sort of the medieval period and right through up until the 19th century, for you to leave a country, you need to get a letter signed by the king mm. until Charles I went, I don't like signing all these things. Can you get someone else to do it? Was Charles I like a Cockney? I don't know. Why not? <laughs> um, haven't done a Cockney one lately. Um, so anyway. Was he, it Cockney? Was that what you were just going for then? So, so, so like dirty. Dirty, rhyming, yeah, slight so, London. Sort of. Bad East Enders. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it's Bad East Enders. Bad East That's, what it, That's what it is. Okay, yeah. continue. Right. So anyway, this was, and this became the thing with Australia was to get a passport in the fifties or fifties, I think it was. Mm. You needed to be a, a person of good character. You needed a letter of introduction from an MP 
or a judge. And it's like you go through the list of how many people you needed to talk to to get a passport. It was incredible. It, but- kind, of, it kind of sounds like the current uh, expectations for women in Saudi Arabia. They can't leave the or- country unless they have all of those things signed off or, or a man size yeah, signs off. Yes, or, of course, uh, to be a female candidate in the Liberal Party. You need to... <laughs> Really need to know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing. We enter the 60s and suddenly we have global travel becomes big. Now, when I joined ASIO, they said what is the most – one of the questions was what is the most influential ism of the 20th century? You said tourism. I said tourism. Right? I've heard this before. You've heard this story. Well, maybe a couple of times. Listeners have probably heard it too, but, you know, it's a good story. <laughs> but funnily enough, it was not a wrong answer because now we had lots of people travelling. Yep. We needed to give them passports. It makes sense. So our passports have evolved and we had to standardise them because they needed to be read electronically. Yep. And that's why all passports are the same size. They're pretty much the same sort of thing. They look pretty much the same. A yes. passport in one country is going to be the same as a passport in another country. In Australia, we have certain biometric measures in it. We have uh, holograms on them. We have invisible ink, you know, glow-in-the-dark yep. ink, all that sort of stuff. We've got them. And the the reason we have all of these different pieces of information and security on them is you don't want people to copy your passport. No, exactly. Right. And yeah. interestingly enough, so both my parents are English mm. and instead of getting an English passport, I applied for at the time a thing called right of abode. So in my passport, I have a stamp that says I have English right of abode. So you can go to England whenever you want. And live. And live. And work. Yeah. Yes, now, but I don't have an English passport. I'm still an Australian passport, yeah. but inside it has English right of abode. Because there was a thing where I think it's between the age of like 18 and 30, you can as an Australian go and work and live in England and it's not a problem, but then yep. after a certain period of time. Well, interestingly enough, the yeah. reason why I didn't get a British passport was because, and this is you're going to hear this and go, this is so British, Yeah. because my dad and my mum weren't married before my dad died, they don't recognise that my father was my father. That is so English. It's so English because they weren't married. But, like, he's on my birth certificate <laughs> yeah. as my father. But because they were not married, yeah. they don't recognise him. By the way, I like the hand gestures. <laughs> what what, what, none of what you can you see expect. right now is Michelle is bringing both her hands together, <laughs> face forward, palms forward, Bait above her head and <laughs> tapping them but like, I always- <laughs> as a marriage. And to me, that is a moment that you've all missed. It's a podcasting moment. Well, at least I wasn't doing anything else. Well, yeah. So, well, that sort of- so anyway, my dad, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. and that's me putting my finger through my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Right, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so isn't that the most English? It is. It's a, but but all pa- that's all passport related. Yeah. Now, the thing with passports is you used to be able to walk in there with a photocopy of a birth certificate and no, you could you get can't. a pass- no, you passport. No, you can't. You can't, no, you can't, can't anymore. It's no. Gotta yeah. be, it's got to be a... Uh, an authorised extract. You've got, you got to dive through hoops, jumps yeah. off planes, you know. We had a great thing. We were we were flying to Italy and then Greece. It was a friend's 50th birthday and he was celebrating in a beautiful resort in Tuscany. Mm. And then it was my wife's <laughs> birthday. You got her a shack on a beach we, somewhere. Yeah, Zanon, could we just beep <laughs> yeah. out? It was my boop, wife's, my wife's boop. But yeah, she's, she's beautiful. Yeah. I love her. Uh, anyway, we, uh, we're about to fly out. Mm. My wife is in Melbourne um, at a conference. Uh, my son, who gotten back from a drama tour to New York and Toronto, private school education. God, he's a lucky little girl. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he gets back and uh, my wife rings. He goes, can you just make sure all the passports are ready to go? I go through the passport drawer. Mm, not ready to go. Uh, son's passport's missing. Oh, it's now, always the worst thing. <laughs> he got back from America. We, we, we 
took him off the plane. He got through border because when you get to the border, yeah. just to come into the country, you've got to show your passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had his passport, but from the airport to home, he lost it. Oh. And oh my God. That's the worst. We had three days. Yes. Well, you can expedite this thing. Which we did, but it was the most fraught with peril stressful three days of our lives. It made our marriage look like a cakewalk. Now, the one thing I will say, which is another interesting side note, I got a passport for my son when he was just born. So, yeah. we, we like, it's a photo of him when he was, like, four months old. Yep. And they have that for five years. Yeah. And they look completely different. Uh-huh. So I don't understand the whole point of it. Right. Because I could literally take any child through. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I could, like, be a child trafficker. The guys on – so your border control guys, yeah. your, 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 your border force members, yeah. they're actually very well trained. And it's also – if you noticed if – and we're all going to notice it because we're all going to have to go out and get new passport photos because all of our passports are probably lapsed. Yeah. But have you noticed that when you go, they say, don't smile? Yes. Right. You don't smile. So you look sort of neutral. Mm. You try to look neutral, but yeah. generally you just like look – Like a mugshot. You look grumpy. Yeah. And I, I, I have a theory of this because no one is going to get off a flight to Australia – like after 14 hours <laughs> no minimum, one's no one's going to get off and go, hi, I'm feeling really great. It's just like, yeah. so if you get off with a smile and they look down and it's grumpy, they're like, no, nah, mate, nah, that's not nah, you. Nah. Right? But, you know, it's, it's, so you have a grumpy face. So yep. when the guy looks at the photo and then looks at you, he goes, yep, same grumpy face, yep. not a problem. Yep. But with children, I had the same thing. My sons are 17 and 19. They've got passports. Now they've just expired, but I think they were 10 and 12. Which is crazy. Right? So, yeah, these young kids. They look so But they were still walking through border control when Mm. they were sort of like five years afterwards. Yeah. They're still going. So the whole thing is it comes down to the fact that passports are incredibly difficult documents to get your hands on. Yeah. Which brings us to our favourite bit of the story. How do intelligence organisations use passports? Yes, that's what I was going to say. So let's look at ASIO's role in passports because they've got quite a big role in the whole navigation and, you know, allowing people to come into this country, like visas. It's like ASIO has a lot to do with passports. Well, we would, uh, back back in the day when I worked there, we would get visa applications from target countries. Mm. Now, if if you're coming from America, we don't care. Unless you're a a person of interest, um, and if you're coming from America uh, and you are a person of interest, say you're a a Palestinian, a member of the PLO, yeah. Well, you're going to be travelling on a PLO passport or a Palestinian or an Israeli passport. You're not going to be travelling on an American passport. Yep. Well, you shouldn't be, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So we would get visa applications, for particularly things like the Soviet Union, anybody yep. coming in for the Soviet Union, we would get their entry cards. So it was that little card we fill out on the plane, we get a photocopy of that, and we get the photo that was taken of them at the airport so as they're walking up, there's a camera above yeah, right. you as you're walking up to the immigration point. But also, we get a photocopy of their passport. So we were able to go, who is this guy? Right? Do we have? And that name would go through the personal name index. Yep. Does this? Is this guy been flagged by anybody else? Is he of intelligence interest? Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it was like no. They're a member mm. of a trade delegation, but of course, there was always, particularly when it was the Soviet Union. There were going to be guys in there that were active intelligence officers, right, or co-optees, and they were the they were the ones who were trying to find. So yeah, if you're coming from target countries, ASIO is going to look at your entry deals. Yeah, and and interestingly enough, like recently, you know, there was a big expose by the Guardian, I believe, when they were looking at a lot of terrorists taking Australian passports, yeah. and ISIS was using them to get into other countries. Well, ISIS had been doing something really interesting. Now, yeah. now talking about Australian passports. 
if you want to travel around the world, have an Australian passport. Okay, well, we'll get to this in a second yeah. because I've got the Australian pass. I mean, the world passport rankings and where Australia sits. Well, let's do that right now. Oh, you want to do that right yeah, now? I want to do that right now because that th- <laughs> that's going to feed into all. Of- okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do that right now. Yeah. So, out of so the ranking, they just did the twenty twenty two ranking. Uh-huh. Hundred and ninety five countries, I believe. Yep. Where do you think Australia sits? I'm going to say we're going to sit in the top ten. Yes. What do you think? Uh, so I'm right with the top ten. Yeah, we're in the top ten. Uh, top five. We come in at number seven, along with Canada. Yeah. So it's 199 countries. Yep. Now, we're number seven. Australians can visit 185 destinations. Yes. Now, do you need a visa to get into those 185 destinations? That's the question. No. Well, you you don't always, right? The other thing is, guess who is just above us at number six? Um, England? The US. Or US. And New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, above us. Brew. Yeah, more people want it, want them in their country. It's fantastic. And number one, guess there's two countries at number one. I'm going to go with North Korea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you surprisingly they're allowed everywhere. Come on in. <laughs> it's Japan yeah. and Singapore. Sing- oh, well, you see, the thing about Singapore is it's a hub because it's a trading hub. Yes. Right? I think that the reason that that would be so – so free is it's a fairly neutral trading hub and they pretty much let anyone in there anyway. Yeah. Because they're a nexus of trade, of travel, the whole ball of wax. Now, the interesting thing about that is um, that list is a really interesting list. Australian, Canadian, New Zealand, yeah. British, Irish. Where's Ireland on that? Now, list? Ireland, I think, was um, above the US. So I think Ireland yeah. was around number five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. The reason these passports are popular makes them very popular with intelligence organizations. 100%. Right. <laughs> because yeah. they're allowed everywhere. Right. Back in the 70s and 80s, and I used to have a joke in the live show where I where I was talking about the doing the hijack exercise and how yep. I turned around as a joke and said, look, I said I know I said I wanted the kosher meal. I was just kidding. If you had an Israeli passport in a hijack situation, likelihood you were not going to survive. Right. The first thing a terrorist would do when they hijacked a plane was go through the plane and collect everyone's passport. Oh, yeah, right? they would, wouldn't they? They'd collect the passports to see who have we got. Yeah. Australians couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Right? yeah whatever. Right, Australians, they're just Australians. Thank God. But Israelis, but there's a very famous hijacking the PLO did in Egypt. Yeah. And they got every Israeli on the plane and pushed them to the front of the plane and they were the ones that they were shooting in the back of the head and pushing down the stairs because they're Israelis. We don't care about you. Yeah. So to travel on an Israeli passport is really difficult, particularly it became, in intelligence world. You become collateral. Yeah. It's also really hard if you're an intelligence officer from Israel traveling through the Middle East. Right. They, they are automatically suspect of you. So there's a really famous case, the assassination of Mahmoud al-Mabou. Okay. <laughs> who was a member of Hamas, Yeah. Uh, another Palestinian organisation. He was found suffocated or maybe drugged or maybe electrocuted. They're still not released. <laughs> or maybe all of the above. <laughs> Actually, by the sounds of it, he was injected with a paralytic agent in his legs oh. so he couldn't struggle. Yeah. He was then shocked, electrocuted to oh. shorten his breath, and then a pillow was placed over his face oh. and he was suffocated. Oh, so 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 not very nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? In his hotel room in Dubai. Now, Dubai immediately went, we think this is an Israeli operation, Mm -hmm. and they checked a whole bunch of passports, 26 to be exact. There were 26 people involved in this operation to kill one man. Oh, my gosh. They were all Israeli intelligence officers. 
Fuck. They were traveling on Australian passports, British passports, American passports, Irish passports. And they were traveling in the top five of the world passport <laughs> rankings. Exactly. They went straight to the top. They went top ten. Who have we got? Oh, I spied passport. Use one of those. Yeah. Right. Well, they well, they couldn't go Japanese no. or Singapore for obvious no, reasons. No, no, no. They couldn't. Exactly. So <laughs> they were all British. And the interesting thing was a lot of a lot of the passports they used mm. were from Israeli dual citizens. And those dual citizens were absolutely incensed that their passports had been used in this way. They didn't even know their passports had been taken. Well, and because the, these are countries too, like Australia and England and mm. the US, are a very multicultural country. Exactly. So you could literally, anyone could get away with using these passports. Yeah. Now, they do, when you look at the list, and they've got a list of all the names, mm. and they're exceptionally white bread. Now, Dave. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Brett. Karen. Uh, <laughs> Karen. The the interesting thing about it was a former Mossad intelligence officer has since spoken out saying there is a company mm. in Mossad that does nothing but produce fake or forged passports. Right. Because they need them to travel. They need them to be able to get in and out of countries uh, covertly. Now, if you're traveling in as a declared intelligence officer, you are going to go in on your passport. But if you're going in as an undeclared officer, particularly if you're what's called a NOC, non-official cover, yep. so you're not traveling in there as a diplomat, you're traveling in there as a businessman, chances are they're going to set up a cover identity for you and that means you need that documentation. Now, if it's an official operation... It's not hard for me to, if I needed to, I'm pretty sure an intelligence organisation like, say, ASIS could turn around to the Department of Foreign Affairs and go, we need a passport for this guy. It needs to be this name. These are the details. Fix it right. all up. And boom, you've got a false identity. I would not be surprised at all if Australia did that. What the Israelis do is they either access passports of dual citizens and then re-photograph them so they put different yeah, photos on them. that makes sense. Or they just compl create complete forgeries. But how that's going to be more difficult now with the technology that we have. Like especially if you're entering the US, mm. you've got the ocular yeah. um, security system. Yeah. By the way, I'm flagged, so every time I enter the US yeah, I have to go into that. That's right. I know, I'm a person of interest, which is just annoying because I'm going to the US in, you in went a couple skiing. of months. It's just because of I the know. skiing trip. It's just because of the skiing trip. Yep. Um, yeah, which, may, which is going to be so much fun when I go over to the US in April because I always have to give myself an extra hour or two just yeah, to just enter. Remember, they're going to go, oh, oh, and you're doing a podcast about <laughs> space, are you, huh? <laughs> Let's have a little look at you now. I'm fucked now, aren't yeah, I? You're totally <laughs> they're not going to let me in. They're not going to let you in or out. <laughs> Can I tell you, Gitmo is lovely this time of year. Can you not? Can you not? You'll be fine. But like, so now it's going to be more and more difficult, surely, well, so with the new technology. You would think, but then mm. we go to this ISIS case. Yeah. Now that's a, the the article that the the Guardian put in it, and thank you very much for sending it to me because I just uh, yeah hoovered it up. What was really interesting was they're talking. To, this is not a government sanctioned operation. <laughs> These are just guys in. Yeah. I think it's Istanbul. Yeah. Like just a lot of them in Turkey, making them, just making, them. <laughs> just turning them out, and. The, the classic was there are favoured passports they like to use, probably yeah. because they're easier to make yep. or easier to access. Things like the Russian passport, and they went, you know, but what about the biometrics? Yeah, we can fix that up. What about the the secret? Oh yeah, and the forger actually went he stuck one of his fake passports under a black light, and then put an official Russian passport under the black light. Went spot the difference, and a trained eye would. Yes, right. 
But a regular the, person wouldn't. What was really interesting that the the thing they said in the article was how if you show up and your biometrics don't work, mm. so you put your passport down on the machine, they scan it, and then you look in the little ocular reader yeah. and you go, oh, and they're getting a false reading and another false reading and another false reading, and you're just like going, man, I just I just want to get. And they yeah. look at the picture and go, oh, grumpy. Yeah. Grumpy, grumpy. Oh, uh, yeah, look, go through. And they'll let you through generally. They won't stop you. And yeah, look that's at you. interesting, isn't it? Unless, yeah, unless they, you know, you're walking in wearing a, like a hijab and carrying an AK 47. Yeah, if you're brown, they won't let you in. Yeah, but well, if you're yeah. white, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that's, you know, I feel like that's where you're headed yeah. with that. Skin bleaching. There's a lot of skin bleaching going on in <laughs> Turkey as well. Yeah. Now, we will um, put the link up to this article on the I Spied podcast. Um, yes, Twitter I'll put it on the Twitter account. Because it's a really interesting read and it was um, kind of an expose that The Guardian had done. Yeah. And I found it a very interesting read and I think most most of our listeners will as well. And I'll also put up for the for the desperados out there, <laughs> I will put up the two hundred and seventy-five scintillating pages Ugh. of the DFAT history of the Australian passport. Oh my God. I like really so excited to I read just, it. My first thing when I found it was like, oh, can it be an audio book? <laughs> and I looked on Audible and it's not. Well, well, that's such a shame because I would think there would be a market there for it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to. No, no, no. I'm going to spend a day in the blanket fort recording <laughs> just that. Yeah. So we've got ASIO, you know, kind of taking up the mantle of um, being in control of kind of who's coming in yeah. and all the stuff to do with terrorism. And interestingly enough, um, when I was doing some research into this, when you look at like, you know, the war in Syria, that's kind of when things started to ramp up yeah. for ASIO. And um, I think in the two years, around about 2014, in the in the two years around about that time, they'd cancelled something like 60 passports. Exactly. Now, this goes back to that case of Birchett, all right, where yeah. they basically turned around and went – because the minister has the discretion to cancel passports, yep. which brings us to Djokovic and the visa. Ah, uh, right. such a pain in the ass that was. And made no sense. You know, what, what got me about it was I literally sat there going, yeah. no one is right in this. No, You're no, no, no wrong. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there, there was so many things wrong with it, but I think also from the perspective, from an outside perspective, I think Australia looked bad. Oh, we look stupid. Yeah. It, we look stupid. Yes. It, look, and the thing is it should have – all of that should have taken place in Dubai. We have Border Force opera, 100%. Uh, officers in Dubai. He was allowed on the plane. Yeah, they should have gone, sorry, mate, because he went, but I've gotten a letter of exemption from Tennis yeah. Australia, and the Border Force guys probably should have gone – yeah, sorry, mate. That's from – they're not the guys that sent out the visas. I know. The only reason why it all happened the way it did was because the Australian public started getting upset that Djokovic was coming and then the government started going, oh, hang on a second, this doesn't look good for us. Okay, so let's blame someone. Yeah. And then that's that's why that happened. If Djokovic had just said nothing about vaccinations and just showed up, shut no up. one would have given a fuck. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's all you got to do. Shut up. Yeah. But the problem is anti-vaxxers are like mm-hmm. vegans. They like to tell everyone oh, about Jesus. it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like people who give up smoking. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I We've gave up smoking. I don't, and the funny thing is I gave up smoking and none of my friends noticed. Weed is still a form look- of it though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I vape it. Yeah. <laughs> That's now, still smoking, mate. So, yeah, Alex Hawke made a huge yes. – they bungled it. They just – it could have been done so much better. But he has that power. And that is a power they're using quite a lot for, you know, Australian guys who go, I'm going over to Syria to fight with ISIS. And they get there. And also a lot of women who are marrying ISIS guys yeah. are going over there. And then they get there and go, oh, my God, I've just basically put myself back into medieval um, yes. society. I want to go home. Yeah, but Australia, Australia immediately goes, your passport is cancelled because we can't trust you to come home and yeah. not 
So, and, and look, I think we don't really have time to get into this no. side of this, but I find I think this could be even a discussion at a later time, mm. this whole idea of being stateless and, like, who who owns you? If we, like, say you can't come back, and what role and responsibility do we have to people who were born here? Well, that was, that's been the great argument right, right through COVID with the fact that we've closed the border and you're yeah. a citizen but you can't come yes. back in. And, it, you know, we'll have 30,000 home by Christmas and the question no one asked was which Christmas are you talking about, yeah, buddy? Yeah. So, so yeah. the thing about a passport is it is an exceptionally powerful document. Right? Yeah. It gets you in and out of countries. It gets you out of your own. You can't leave Australia without one, mm. right? Oh, you can, but you're not getting back in without one. I was in Qatar and the police walked through. I was there doing a, yeah. uh, the Asian Games and I made a mistake. I forgot to get my visa that I was meant to set up before I left Australia. Yeah. So I arrived at the gate, like arrived at immigration and the woman went visa and I went, I don't have one. And she went visa. And I went, uh, I don't have one. And she pointed to my wallet and went visa. And I pulled out my visa card. She swiped it, stamped it with the happiest, coolest stamp, visa stamp I've ever seen, you know, Asian Games Qatar. Yeah. And I went, wow, that's really cool. And she went, you're free to go. You can do what you want. Yeah, well, it, it, I remember travelling to France one time just quickly from England mm. and I was told I didn't need a visa but then I arrived in France and they said, no, you need a visa. And I'm like, well, I didn't get a visa. And they're like, well, you got to go back. And I'm like, well, I'm here. And they're like, just give us some money and yeah. we'll give you one. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's a, like the whole visa situation is, is also complex. Yeah, <laughs> but the interesting thing was a week later, the police went through all of the sporting venues yeah. and took every foreign worker's passport off them, going, we need to take your visas and check them and then restamp them. And the classic mm. one, and I'm like- I, You can't I, take my- You can't take- are you, are you allowed to physically take someone's passport? I would I would imagine that that would be- It's your country. It's your rules. Really? Yeah. See, that's kind of yeah. frightening, isn't it? Like the interesting thing is- Because uh, you're it, kind of fucked if you don't have a oh, passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're kind of rude. <laughs> uh, and that, but the thing was, the guy walked up and went, oh, we need to fix your pa visa. And I just opened my passport on the page yeah. with that happy little stamp and went, I'm cool, mate. And he, the guy just stopped and looked at me and went, Sorry, and walked away. And oh. everyone went, What did you do? And I just held my passport up. They went, Where did you get that? I went, 90 bucks at the gate, boys. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not the official. I went, I'm being paid by an Australian company. Yeah. All, all the money transfer is in Australia. I am literally here working for an Australian company. It's just the location is different. And I spoke to one of the organizers from Qatar, and he just went, Mate, that's the smartest move anybody's Well, it's, look, it's all very confusing, but hopefully now we've kind of unpacked a little bit about passports. Don't lose your passport. Don't. Don't lose your passport. And I also- don't let anyone borrow it for a minute. No. And I can also imagine a lot of our listeners right now going to check when their passports expire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and have a look right now because you know what? It's going to cost you about 120 to 150 bucks oh, to get a new one. It's so annoying. And you're going to have to get that awful photo taken at the post office. Oh, oh my God. You're going to have to go to a post office. Exactly. Who's done that? Ooh. Now, before we go any further- okay. This has been an absolutely mental couple of weeks in the intelligence world. Oh, yes. Right. We're going to- We've we're had a lot of stuff it. going on with Ukraine. There's yeah. there's an incredible cyber attack that happened in- Yes. Yeah, the, what is it? Non-state actors. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, where they were shutting down uh, energy companies in Germany. But our, our old friend, Director General Mike Burgess of ASIO- Who we love. Yeah, Director General of Security- did his uh, yearly threat assessment just the other day. And, and told us to not swipe right. Yeah, no swipe right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what was interesting is, yeah, a lot of people have been compromised by dating apps, uh, MPs, 
government workers. I just want to know who got picked up by Grinder. Uh, we'll, so, we'll we'll look into this. So though. we're going to look into this, yes. and you know, we're going to try and get Mike Burgess on. Oh, I think so. I like this. We're going to put this in the pile of like getting an invite to Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to try and make it yeah, happen. Yeah. I, it may not happen. Uh, I actually was talking gonna to pull some strings. You going to do it? I was talking to a couple of Asia guys. You're I was literally talking to Asia guys about an Asia case, okay. which I want to talk about okay. and get the person who was involved on as well. But All that's right. another thing. But look, this year. I feel like we've done a lot of hooks. We can leave it there now. And this year's looking crazy. I know this year's good. It's going to be big. Okay. Cool.